0: This is the Macworld podcast episode 540 for January 4th, 2017. Welcome back to the Macworld Podcast, folks. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and this is the first episode of the podcast in 2017. Look in the skies above you. It's full of flying cars and zeppelins. All around you is high technology. Everything is terrific. All diseases cured. Mankind is in a new, or humanity is in a new uh, age of uh, wonder and delight. Right, uh, Susie Oakes, executive editor of Macworld? Uh, we're getting there. Yes. We're getting there. Hey, That's Ebola the plan. was cured. Ebola was cured. Oh, come on. There's a 100% effective vaccine. I
1: still have a cold and I'm very angry about it. I've reached the anger stage of the
0: the sickness. So clearly you should get Ebola because that could be cured, but common cold, <laughs> not so much. You should be Maybe so I'll lucky to get Ebola. I'll just
1: start taking Ebola drugs and like, it, I can't get any worse.
0: You should be so lucky to get Ebola. Uh, <laughs> you know that eBay was originally started as – a site of information about Ebola. This is true. I'm not not making a joke. It's Ebola something, eBay. It's um, Pierre Omidyar was very interested in it and was worried when he started that site that uh, Ebola was going to become this worldwide devastating thing and destroy the population globally. And um, then he pivoted to selling pest dispensers. So there you go. Sometimes the origin stories of companies are not quite what the company puts out. Um, it's weird. I had an idea last year to sort of go through and match the, uh, hey geography of a company with the reality. And I decided it was, it wound up not panning out as well as I'd like. There's just not enough good stories, but, um, uh, you know, there's stories about Jeff Bezos writing a business plan while driving cross country's wife's driving this, their Honda civic. So they drive cross country, which is not entirely true and you know, on and on. So, uh, it's 2017, no flying cars. Uh, Still no flying cars. Still working on those robot cars. Yep. It is the year of the running man, though. That's uh, this is 2017. Opening credits of a running the running man is. This is the year. It's 2017. The world is replaced by a giant, uh, you know, TV run dictatorship. So we have that at least. Um, <laughs> the other thing we have is the Consumer Electronics Show CES is this week in Las Vegas, and neither you nor I are going. woohoo hoo! I'm
1: not. I'm working on our home team. So I'm doing a lot of editing and a lot of social promotion of the stuff that our people on the ground in Vegas are writing at all weird hours of the day and night. So we had a ton of embargoed stuff go up on Tech Hive and PC World. It's mostly a Tech Hive and PC World show. I think we have one, maybe two CES stories on Macworld. And we'll have... You know, the nice thing about our workflow is that um, anything goes anywhere, it's really relevant. So um, so some of the Tech Hive stuff, they mostly do smart home and cord cutting. Some of that cord cutting stuff is really interested to us just in the context of things that are not are, are not available on Apple TV. And then um, some of the smart home stuff can be sort of interesting too. But then on PC World, they really focus on components and new systems, and there's been a lot of interesting... Um, announcements already today for the for the pc nerds so um not much not much of that will go on to Macworld, but some Something of that it.
0: trickles into mac though because like the kb lake stuff is um yes. processor things will eventually like you know apple doesn't uh, you know, stick an Intel inside sticker on its computers, but KB Lake innovations will flow into, hopefully, into Macintosh yes. products ostensibly at some point. And they
1: announced, I think, 40 different KB Lake chips, and oh um, Gordon Ung of PC World did his in depth, very, very in depth um, review of uh, the KB Lake. Uh, chip. So um, yeah, that'll all be coming to max sometime. I mean, like we think the IMAX will get uh, the quote, co- those quad core desktop KB Lake chips, or at least the, the quad core laptop ones. They, they use laptop size chips in the, in the iMac, right?
0: As we, uh, yeah, as we talked um, last year, last year, already long ago, um, the K- KB Lake holdups seem to be, or ver- certain KB Lake chips at least seem to be the reason that Apple was betting on that generation. And mm-hmm. uh the, Possibly one of the reasons the Macs were delayed is Apple's engineering everything around that. If they had decided to go for the intermediate generation, which I blanked on the name of that, uh, they might have been able to release Macs sooner. Lake. Right. And uh, they decided, you know, if that's the case, that would explain some of it. And uh, uh, it's a shame because Apple hates to put its um, hook, its wagon onto somebody else's star that's the reason that they have all their own, you know, A-series chips, uh, ARM processors for iOS, and another reason why there's some suspicion they might develop non-Intel uh, chain um, computers because that would let them unhook themselves from Intel's own delays um, and and schedule. But I don't know. I mean, I think there's still a long way to go on that, but it is part of Apple just not wanting to be, they've they've spent many, many years reducing their dependencies on companies they can't control. So they may have suppliers, but they often have investments in the suppliers, or they work with the suppliers, they buy a bunch of equipment and they put it in the supplier to create the part or thing they need. So uh, this is another case of that. Um, CES. So we were talking about this before the podcast. I've only been to CES once and you've been there before. Yep. And uh, the the thing is um we we've talked about uh, last year also Farhad Manju of the New York Times. I think we talked about we talked about it in the podcast or was it before the break uh, he wrote this New York Times his uh, New York Times columnist tech columnist and he wrote a piece called The Apocalypse of Gadgets and I thought it was a great story because it encompassed this uh, whole issue about why um, there are you know sort of this failure of gadgets right that that used to be lots of individual doohickeys we'd buy and smartphones have kind of eaten most of that smartphones and tablets so mm-hmm. um, GoPro is having problems Fit you know Fitbit it ha- you know didn't meet its financial expectations like all of these things that even if they're excellent standalone products and people used to flock to them because they couldn't get it at all now you have the good enough and the good enough is built into the Apple Watch or a Garmin watch in some cases, or into an iPhone or Android uh, phone. And once you have something that's good enough, the gadget is often, you know, the gadget version like the GoPro camera or um, remember the flip. The flip was huge and then it disappeared practically overnight. Right. It got there was a massive, was it Microsoft? I can't remember. Someone bought them. It's worth the company was worth billions of dollars. And then it totally disappeared because it was low-quality portable video, but it was really cool and portable and whatever. And then you get the first crappiest phone that can record the crappiest video, and it's good enough compared to the flip. And you get the mobile aspect. It's easier to move the video around. And uh we're seeing that across, you know, sort of a devastation of many categories. Um, of that, he even brought up the fact. I don't think we did talk about this. That like the drone industry, um, 3D Robotics, the company uh, co-founded by uh, the former editor-in-chief of Wired magazine, it was almost this accident that the company got started. They raised a bunch of money. They tried to create a really uh, terrific uh, built, uh, you know, in um, uh, built from scratch drone. Of, of their own that, um, cause they were doing kits and sort of in- interesting stuff, but it required integrating parts from different companies. And, uh, it, the whole thing kind of flamed out because they had some engineering problems. They made too much, too many units ahead of, uh, interest and the cost wound up being so high by the time they were ready to go. Uh, there was something from China that was, you know, just as good, nearly as good and much less expensive. Um, it's an interesting case study. So they pivoted away from making their own drones into being a, uh, Software platform. So I think CES, by the same token, used to see massive amounts of coverage on uh, national news. You know, they have all this reporting, national and cable news, write about it, it'd be a big thing. Um, every tech publication would cover it heavily. Now I think not so much. I don't think people are so interested in what's coming out of it.
1: Well, CES has like a reputation of being like vaporware. Like the stuff that's announced yeah. there isn't going to come out for months, or isn't going to come out at all. Um, for for journalists, the it's still an important show. If it's an important show for your beat,
0: yes, um, right. So if
1: you cover smart home, like you got to go to CES. A- Automotive. And, uh, yeah or automotive exactly um drones i would say if you're really into drones like it's it might be more of a component thing there just showing off like to buyers and stuff um and not launching new things but there's a lot of of trends like ar vr um and anything with pcs all the chip makers and graphics card makers like all those guys are there so it will be not only covering announcements, um, Oh, cord cutting. Um, and, and that stuff is all, it's all really big there too, entertainment. If you're covering TVs, it's, you know, the show for TVs. Um, so it, you got the announcements, but then you also have like the relationships, like even if this stuff isn't coming out, like they're going to give it to you if they met you at CES, like you're going right, to get right. a interview unit. So it's important to go and like get the FaceTime. Like you could cover it just by writing up press releases at home and you know not everything you you don't physically have time to see everything at the show but if you have a beat that's that's important there like it's it's still a really big deal even if you don't get oh yeah yeah the because it's it's hard to get attention for any one thing there's so many things going up like just this morning um you know promoting articles on pc world's twitter page and facebook page like there's so much going on so you're just throwing all this stuff at the wall you're like i you know i had a, a mac world story that would normally i would cross the the apple watch rumor story normally i would cross post that to pc world this is very inside baseball um, <laughs> but today i was like no like pc world like doesn't want to give up a spot on its homepage right. call to the apple watch rumor right now because they're just flooded with ces stuff and that has to take front and center so
0: yeah, it's much more so, niche, so this, I would say. Like, you don't, yeah. I mean, we're not getting like-
1: traffic out of like all of these stories that we're getting from CES. It's not like we'll send people there and we'll have like a bajillion hits and it'll be like the best traffic week ever. But we're finding out the things that are going to end up being important to us like for the rest of the year. And we're meeting those people and we're seeing those products. And they're going to get a lot of cool hands-ons. They're going to make a lot of cool videos. So yeah, I'm really excited. We'll we'll be cross posting stuff to MacWorld as appropriate. Um, Caitlin is there, and so she's helping TechHive do the smart home stuff, and a lot of that ends up being cool and relevant to MacWorld users. So yeah,
0: I just think it's the less of the um the like the mainstream. Tech. It's
1: different than it used to be. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. much
0: more niche specific, and so yeah, if you're mm-hmm. interested in drones, this is where you're going to find out about what's coming because there's going to be stuff that isn't going to ship for months or may never ship, but it's at least Mm -hmm. the next direction of things. Um, It's also, I mean, the interesting part about CS... I found just even attending the one year, and I think it's proven since, is that you get all these companies from China that show up that are often, mm-hmm. you know, they're suppliers or they're like small manufacturers. You would never have any access to them except maybe through like Alibaba or, you know, hard-to-use websites or whatever. And they come and sometimes they get attention. So if you're at the show, you can see it. And sometimes uh, if, even if you're not at the show, you are you know, you can read coverage of from reporters who've actually been able to talk to and see some of these products that are more, you know um, – more extreme or obscure uh, that's an interesting, interesting time i mean i never thought the interesting gadgets would drop this much but it has really it's like attenuated so you have those categories into drones and smart home and whatever um make, like i
1: used to go and make videos of like the self balancing skateboard you know that you hold a remote in your hand and like those things and and like uh what else oh like a karaoke machine that auto tunes you while you're singing like
0: I, I and like no one cares about that right, stuff bi- anymore and the bigger you know the, the world's <laughs> largest tv sets they used to have those like yeah, I, yeah. I don't even hear they it,
1: still but, have a lot of that yeah, like but, but
0: it's just like ugh, it used to be unless spirit, you're going to make you know, like, a video
1: and you're just desperate like, here, you've got a
0: 110-inch TV, and it's like I just don't even hear the story anymore. Uh, the thing that I remember <laughs> best is a few years ago when I was following wireless much more closely, Ultra Wideband, or UWB, was a technology that was coming into vogue, and it looked like it was always a, almost a ship, almost a ship. Then there was a CES that was the coming-out party for UWB. Stuff was demonstrated. Products were selected as, like, the best tech product of 2000 and whatever, right? Oh, yeah. And then nothing ever shipped. Uh, uh, some comp- some publications got really embarrassed because they were shown stuff that was productive. Production technology, like it was, pr- it was coming off a production line. These were not prototypes, but they were like right. early production versions. And the stuff never came out, or it came out briefly and was pulled. So UWB, I think, burned a lot of people. Uh, and I would say after that, there was a lot more wariness about whether you know you should be promoting an entirely new kind of technology before it had actually uh, been instantiated. So, you know, Thunderbolt 3 is going to be different. I'm already seeing announcements come out from uh, some of the usual suppliers. Like CanX sent me a press release already Thunderbolt three is really hot because everything is gonna run Thunderbolt Three. It's not like a weird, you know, it's not like Firewire a number of years ago where it's like, hey, this is a great new standard and uh turns out only Sony and Apple are really gonna support it and maybe a few other laptops. Like it's still good because it's like Apple, whatever. But Thunderbolt Three and USB C as a as a subset or like a, you know, unifying thing, those are going to be everywhere. We're gonna see that at CES and we're gonna have um, For the first time, I think since the introduction of USB uh, back in the early 2000s as a standard, I think we're going to see delightful flowering of devices because everything will be able to use it. Um, So we won't have this like enormous incompatibility. And then I feel like USB-C is this ultimate... Uh, like everyone complains about the dongles, but the flip side is you can convert almost everything to USB-C. Mm-hmm. So I just saw an announcement about eSATA. You know, you can you'll be able to do um, FireWire, Gigabit Ethernet, 10 Gigabit per second Ethernet with Thunderbolt. Three, um, so every standard will be supported in some fashion, because it's not that so big a deal. You don't have to, to get new adapter. gadgets;
1: you just need a dongle. just pretend it's part of the cable of Wait, like the original thing to get full speed. I just mean, you, pretend it's not there.
0: You don't have to replace your <laughs> yeah. You don't have to replace your device, and you can just drop something in. If you have USB three, it's no big deal. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, when so, you're ready to replace it, you'll replace it with something that doesn't
1: need a dongle, and it'll be fine. Yeah,
0: 2017 will be the that USB-C and Thunderbolt 3 uh, stop being such a pain in the behind, I believe. But this also plays back to the Mac thing, where if Apple were ahead of the curve on Macs, as they have been in years past... They would have shipped an entire new lineup in 2016, all of which would have had either USB-C or Thunderbolt 3, preferably Thunderbolt 3. But maybe the Mac Mini would have been USB-C. Although I don't know, I mean, it was it had Thunderbolt 2 as well. The version I have has it, um, but that would have meant then there'd be this giant demand, you know, giant being tens of millions of units, but still giant, relatively speaking, in a small industry that would have helped pull more devices. Instead, you know, you've got half of Apple's lineup or two thirds using Thunderbolt 2 and other standards and, you know, one device, the MacBook, only supporting USB-C. And then this new lineup of MacBook Pros supporting Thunderbolt 3. It's very complicated for end users, as we keep writing about, very complicated. Um, One thing that's getting less complicated, here's my transition away. Uh, back, uh, in early December, I wrote a story, a Mac time on one column. We've talked about USB-C adapters a lot in the show. People who have, uh, Apple monitors, I, and I, there's so many display monitors. I'm going to stop calling them by their product name because I can't even keep track of them. But there was a, there was a generation that used the DVI, uh, connector, which was, uh, DVI D, which was Apple's version of DVI. And some of those were dual-link DVI because you needed two DVI connections in order to drive a giant monitor at the time. Then there was a generation that used um, Display Mini DisplayPort connector. Then there was a generation that used uh, Thunderbolt, right? So you have these at least three generations. I may be missing something in there. Uh, So people with the Apple Thunderbolt display, which used Thunderbolt 2, you can plug that directly into a Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3 converter into a new MacBook Pro, and it works. That's not Mm. a problem. But all the ones that have DisplayPort-only mini DisplayPort connectors, there was no option. So in early December... I got some questions about this. I wrote a, a Mac 911 column you can find because someone had said, look, I bought a, I think we talked about this, right? The guy created this great rule Goldberg thing where he bought a, three different connectors that added up to only about 30 bucks. Like there was an adapter, uh, a coupler that had two female mini Display Port openings and whatever. And it worked fine. He plugged it all together, plugged it into his MacBook Pro and he was able to drive his mini Display Port Apple Cinema display. Since then, like right after that, Tons of listings showed up on Amazon for direct adapters USB-C to Mini Display Port that would ostensibly support the Apple Cinema Display units that had Mini Display Port only. I haven't tested them. I don't own a um, Apple Cinema Display of the right vintage, and uh, I don't have a MacBook Pro yet. I've been thinking about getting one for testing.
1: I have both of those. You do. So, so anyway, send me some links. Well, I can we'll make s- some orders. We're gonna start. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say we should start doing some testing. But so there's, uh, you can spend anything from fifteen to maybe thirty bucks and get a single dongle that should work with the monitors. There's also at least one dock out that shipped um, somewhere in mid December that has a mini DisplayPort connection as well. So uh, yeah, we should uh, talk about doing some testing. But people who are looking for that, read the reviews carefully at Amazon. Some of this stuff was back ordered in mid December and then miraculously, even though it was. Back backorder four to six weeks showed up uh, before Christmas. And so people have been emailing me that they've bought them or they have them on order and they're testing them. Um, I'm assuming there's a few million of these displays out there because I get so much email about it. I figure there are plenty of them and people just want to, you know, they have a display that works. Maybe they'll use it as a second monitor, but they don't want to get rid of it because it still works, which makes sense. So, um, so there are options showing up, uh, even though Apple doesn't offer an official one. And there were very few options. Well, there were zero options to do anything effectively um, when the MacBook Pros first shipped. So that is that. Shall we move on? All right. So um, another uh, issue people have been having lately: uh, Sierra ten point twelve point two shipped, and there's a problem with Preview, the Preview app, which is Apple's like universal image and oh. PDF opener. Yeah, I know, Right. Remember so remember when 10.12 the original uh, version of Sierra shipped and uh the Fujitsu uh oh, which was it the Snap I have one of these. It's ScanSnap. The, scan I always want to call it SnapScan, but it's ScanSnap. Scan uh snap. they they said don't use our software cuz there's an issue and then that got fixed It was some PDF kit problem that got fixed and um then I believe ScanSnap had a ScanSnap had a release an update but 10.12 Dot two. So the latest version of Sierra um, has messed something up significantly with PDF, and the suggestion is to not use preview with PDF editing. Um, Adam Enks wrote a long oh, article. Oh, I use that all
1: the time. Yeah, I don't I think I've updated yet. It keeps asking oh. me to update, and I keep saying, later, later. So well, maybe, maybe I just won't update. 10, 12, 1
0: <laughs> for the moment. Uh, but you know, yeah, the, wow. the, there's all kinds of radars being filed. That's Apple's internal bug reporting system that outside people can file. Into as a black hole, you don't often don't know what happens then. <laughs> but I've occasionally I filed radars with Apple, and occasionally I will get an email. Sometimes like two years later, saying that thing you filed, we fixed. Like oh great. Uh, so PDF, uh, Adam, Inc wrote a long thing at Tidbits. Sierra PDF problems get worse in 10.12.2. If you're looking for more detail on that, but avoid avoid preview for PDF editing. Um, oh, I know we were going to get back to is uh, this a little bit of callback call forward uh, AirPods, Susie. My God. Urpodes. So you you've love have them. weeks of use in them. How what's your experience now with um, weeks under your belt, especially during the holidays? I love them. During the holidays I wish I could wear them relatives. lying down. What's that?
1: <laughs> I love them and I wish I could wear them lying oh. down because then I would wear them all the time. Wait,
0: do they fall out of your ears you mean like in bed while you're going to sleep? No,
1: like in bed. Like, if you're in bed, and you know how, like, any
0: earbuds
1: kind of hurt when you're trying to lie down on oh, your side? Oh, yeah, yeah, because they... Yeah, I can lie down on my back, sorry. Just not on my side, Like listen to, my mono, put one,
0: put listen to mono Put listen on your side. And I put do that your,
1: sometimes. I've done that. Because yeah. we know
0: they, they automatically go into mono mode when you take one out, which is cool.
1: Well, it pauses, but then you can replay it.
0: But then it switches to...
1: And then it switches to mono mode? Mono mode. Mono mode. Awesome. Mono
0: mode. I think so. Yeah, they're great. That's what I'm understanding because it has some a proximity detector, right? It knows when you take them out. So if you take one out, you leave one in. I assume if you put the one you took out in some fashion that it thought it was near something, it wouldn't work. But if you take the other out, then you start it up again. It goes into mono mode in the remaining one. I don't have them. This is what I've been told. I mean,
1: I've taken one out to pause it and then stuck it in like my jacket pocket or whatever. And after like a minute, if it thinks it's it it's Unpaused itself a couple times because it thought that I put it back in or something or it just thought that it was stable enough. Like maybe there was something up against the proximity sensor because it was in my pocket. Like I don't know. But that part is not like a hundred percent solid. It usually works, but every once in a while it the, the pause and unpause thing will will go buggy on me. And then the other night I couldn't get them to pair to my phone at all, but what? the phone was at like four oh. percent. And so it would, like, it would see them, and then I would hit, okay, AirPods, and the AirPods themselves were at, like, 100%. They were right out of the case. Um, But the phone was only at four, and then I charged the phone for 15 minutes, which put it, like, you know, up in the 20s, I think, or 30s and then it was fine so if you're if you can't pair it might be and and your phone's really dead like charge your phone it might be that, your phone
0: it might be i wonder if it shuts down a wireless chip or a wireless function when that's happening there might be some bluetooth yeah, I don't even or think I something i was in happening. low
1: power mode but i oh. no, i was not in low power mode at this Ooh. at the time so it, like i don't know maybe it was just a bug like i i couldn't get it to i even restarted and it still wouldn't pair you so, had this but
0: once you charged it so you restarted it at four percent without charging Yeah. You're a superhero. I know. (laughs) People say that. I I
1: think I was plugged in. Like I was plugged into a battery. Oh, I see. Okay. And I restarted, but they still wouldn't pair. And so I just like, I plugged it into an actual power um, plug and then let it sit for 15 minutes. And that was tough. I, was like, I don't have a lot of time to fool around with this, but I can give it fifteen minutes.
0: I'm uh, hearing from Breeding uh, all over, so people got uh, some people got AirPods. They were able to purchase them, and the first uh, batches that went out, or their or their early orders. Yeah, mine
1: came early. Mine were supposed to come on the 29th, and they tried to deliver them the 23rd. So
0: that Wait, was you, awesome. you have a review set though, too, right? I you have the review a, set, and, and then I have
1: a set that I bought on oh, the, day it the day they launched, and it came early.
0: That's interesting. Um, and well, I people might just saying, return it, so. I, We're hearing all over that people are not having problems um, with them dislodging. I think the thing that you brought up, the fact is without a cable, you forget that the cable is always pulling, pulling down, pulling away. Mm-hmm. And that it's actually the thing that often dislodges ear pods is the attached cable. So people are finding yeah. the same thing you did that it's so nice to not have to untangle. If you're to wearing plug a scarf,
1: in. if you're wearing like yeah. I guess sunglasses don't really tangle, but like lots of things that you wear like jackets and sweaters and stuff like it just it doesn't seem like a big problem. Problem, but then when you get rid of the cable, you're like, wow, this is so much better.
0: <laughs> really surprising. I wouldn't have expected it, but I guess that's this is when Apple's at its best when it does something like that. And you're like, oh, this actually is better. But I thought, yeah. you know, my expectation was this doesn't make sense. And they actually understood it better. We'll talk later in the podcast about things they don't understand better. But.
1: And Bluetooth Uh, headphones, like big headphones that go on your head, like they're, they always seem really heavy to me. And if you're like, if you bend over or something, if you're looking down, even sometimes they can like slide off your head. Um, or at least off my head. So, and then the ones that are like that have a cable that connects them and kind of goes around your head, like those are so awkward. I've never found a pair that I was like, oh, these are comfortable and not weird. So, yeah, the AirPods are just ch- checking all the boxes. I really like them. The
0: battery thing is just amazing that I can actually get hours out of two things that size. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, they go for a while. Uh, George Dow, our friend George Dow, who's over at iMore and on um, multiple podcasts that uh, we listen to, she had a very funny suggestion on the last day of 2016, which was she posted a photo. She's like, you know, here's a good way to deter theft of your AirPods. She'd taken a floss label and just pasted it on the front. And it was beautiful. It, was like, it does oh. look like a dental floss case. Yeah. And John
1: faked me out the first day. He was like, "Look, Apple sent me some AirPods," and he held it out, and I was like, "What?" And it was his dental floss.
0: It really is the same size. I mean, she just she, you know, it fits neatly on the front as if it were. Designed for the case. So, I mean, I had that thought. We all were joking when they first showed the case. It looks like dental floss, but um, kind of brilliant of her because, I mean, I think it is going to be an issue. People will uh, run off with them because I don't think you can lock them. Like once, once you know, if you put your case down, there's AirPods and someone can grab them and it's not like a phone. There's no find no. my AirPod. Nope. They should uh, do that. There isn't, though. Definitely. Yeah, they, they
1: should be able to chirp Hi, when you Air lose Pod. them. And, like, all their whoop, stuff should whoop, do that. The whoop. remote, the Siri remote should do that. The your Apple children, Pencil.
0: Their, your children should whoop when you lose them. Whoop, yeah. Whoop, whoop, well, There's
1: a lot of things you can get that do that. But oh, that's um, right. the Apple things. Pencil and the Siri remote and the AirPods all need to have some kind of d- Bluetooth tethering. I dig it. Oh, I know a story you missed. Which is totally possible. They're all Bluetooth oh. devices. So, like, Apple could yeah. build that in.
0: Big red flashing light. Um so story we talking about batteries a moment ago. Story we uh, didn't get to talk about because we were on hiatus for a week is the Consumer Reports MacBook Pro battery testing extravaganza. Something. So Consumer Reports, I want to love them cuz they're independent, fiercely independent. They don't take money for anybody. They buy their own stuff. They have test labs. You know, I'll turn to them when I'm trying to buy a refrigerator, whatever. I don't get their computer side at all because I don't feel like what they're doing – like I read their test results sometimes. They they were part of the antenna gate thing, which turned out to be effectively nothing, right? Like that antenna gate was resolved – By everyone just going, I guess this is a made-up issue because all phones have this problem, and people just are reporting on the best-selling phone right now, right? Um, Wasn't that the resolution of antenna gate? Like Apple did some new design in the next models, but it wasn't like they replaced anything. They put out some, they gave away free cases for a brief period of time, and the problem went away, or the discussion went away, right? Yeah, I mean, and so, so uh, Consumer Reports they did they tested. um, They had three different MacBook Pros. They tested them using tests they use all the time, and they found um, so a series of three consecutive tests. The 13-inch model ran for 16 hours in the first trial, 12.75 hours in the second, and 3.75 hours in the third. Now, the first
1: that's bananas. Yeah, you know, the
0: numbers don't make sense. Then they tested one that did 19.5 hours in one trial, 4.5, and 18.5 down to eight hours. None of it makes sense because those high-end numbers don't make any sense to me either. No. Because none of, of those the,
1: numbers make sense. No, I don't
0: I, I mean, I don't I don't get anything. So they you know, they describe what their test is and they describe doing some alternative tests and they said that Chrome actually seemed to produce better yeah, Chrome life? was
1: better than Safari so, for
0: battery, and we're
1: like, "What are you smoking over there?"
0: If I were them, I wouldn't have released this information. I would have said, <laughs> "I would have gotten, I would have gotten more laptops. I Would have borrowed other people's." Like, it this sort of you know,
1: seemed like they were trying to just get it out. I know. You know I and then understand. go on vacation or something because
0: it's inexplicable. It, yeah. When you have something that's this much variant and. If this were uniformly the case, you'd expect to hear massive complaining with the short battery life. And I'm definitely, you know, we know the battery life on the MacBook Pro is a little bit erratic compared to previous models. But I, and I've heard some people complaining about how short it is relative to their expectations in previous MacBook Pros, but not everyone is seeing that. And, um, we know there was information leaked uh, somewhere in the last couple of weeks that the uh, the models that shipped were apparently there were two different competing teams and the one that shipped was not the preferred terrorist battery models. So there's less battery life. And the one that shipped, then ostensibly a different one that could have shipped but did not. What? That's weird. Oh, do you see? I think Mark Gurman had the story. Was it Bloomberg? I didn't see that. Oh I yeah, yeah. There's there a discussion about some of the um, some of the conflict going on inside Apple that there were like two teams working on you know projects in parallel on the Mac oh, side.
1: Oh, And that, that one? was
0: one of the things was that the Mac. So the 12 inch MacBook when it shipped in. About April 2015, part of its design was that terraced battery thing. So it's like yeah, they made a big
1: deal out of that. Yeah, it's
0: like leaves, and so the entire interior case is not a a lot of uh, of Apple's batteries are shaped lithium-ion batteries, right? They're like you know gel, not gel, but they're like. um, they form fit them to the space. The 12-inch MacBook has like sheets that are overlaid, and so they, I guess they can run them very thin, and they get even more battery in there. And so the MacBook Pro was originally uh, structured around that design, uh, or was one of the options, and it was very late in the process, according to that report at least, that the decision was made to go with the battery system they did, which reduced, resulted in less battery uh, and less capacity. Um, but the other one was apparently not testing out as ready. So I don't know, Matt. I don't know. It's like, so I'd like to listen. I'd like to, you know, read Concern Report and say, um, you know, these guys are ferociously independent. um, Many, many decades of experience behind them. And I simply, I don't get it. Um, And a lot of people, a lot of veteran Mac people are like, look, you know, we hear from a lot of, I mean, I feel the Mac 911 email uh, uh, inbox and your, I'm sure your email and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Macworld, Uh, Twitter, at Macworld, you know, you can always do feedback to all those places. If people were really having results that were that wacky on a regular basis, there's already hundreds of thousands of these devices out there. I know people, I know like 50 people who bought them. I'm not seeing anything that's that wacky. So I have to believe something was wrong in testing and I certainly would have evaluated it if I were them. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, something's got to be cuckoo there. I wonder, I hope they you know, redo it all and reissue this whole thing. Cause it's just like, that's, it's such a weird recommendation to be like, we can't make a recommendation because all of our data is just totally oh, borked.
0: I remember the other one that got me was, uh, it was a couple of years ago. They said they didn't recommend a phone because they didn't think it was big enough. They recognize iPhone. They're like, or something like that. It was like, you know, people hmm. want a bigger phone and they don't have one. So, but it was like, what? <laughs> what? Okay. Um, Renee Ritchie. Oh, I know. I was going to find during uh, John Gruber during Fireball wrote about this a bit. And Renee Ritchie, he linked to a story by Renee Ritchie, who said this: If I were running the tests, that would be a red flag, a huge glowing neon red flag. The fact that they were so inconsistent, and he would tear it down, rebuild it until he figured out why it was r- inconsistent. And the same thing, dear listeners, dear listeners you should not feel sad for reviewers we do our job because we love it and because we're paid but the uh, <laughs> but the thing is sometimes you run into this kind of situation i will find something and i will have this huge variation either i'll be getting something that's dramatically different i'll be testing hard drive throughput on some dock and I'll try it and try it and try and like I am not getting anywhere near the numbers in the manufacturer I cannot believe this company that has a good reputation is manufacture this I'll get in touch with the company and say look here's my test results I can't do this they'll look at it sometimes it'll turn out there's some weird firmware and an SSD that they didn't know about that's like if you test any other SSD it's fine but this one doesn't work with it or the, some other time it'd be like oh my gosh you're actually doing something wrong. I'm like, what? Like, did you have the caching? And they look? like, no. Well, you have to check that box. It shouldn't be unchecked. You probably unchecked it when you were doing some testing and that, you know, whatever. So this is why we talk to companies not to get them to give us a spin. They'll try to give you a spin, not to get them to talk us out of writing something, but to say, look, did we test this right? So consumer reports, Apple has apparently reached out. I don't know how much consumer reports will tell them beyond what they did. Uh, maybe we'll get an update on this at some point, but I don't it's not that I want to disbelieve that there are battery issues. I just don't can't get the testing that they did that makes sense.
1: I mean, maybe if they use these exact same tests on all the other laptops and those all, you know, bring back like really consistent results, yeah. then yeah, I don't know. I, I don't hope get we the, find like, out I hope we find out more. Yeah, I, I don't, don't get the like more.
0: 18 hour test though because I've never had a Mac laptop last. I don't I don't know. It's weird. And this is, this is when we, you know, you know, you pour one out for the uh, late lamented Macworld Labs and some of the other IDG Labs is in the great, great days in which money flowed like water through all of the <laughs> tech publications. Um, you know, there was money for, because people were anxious, readers were anxious to get the information businesses made, sometimes massive purchasing decisions. Uh, you know, they'd buy a thousand Macs for production or something. They'd be looking to Macworld Labs and other uh, PC lab, PC world labs and other publications uh, labs for this kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, it's, it's essentially the same kind of thing. The, the apocalypse of the gadgets is kind of the apocalypse of testing labs. There's not enough stuff to test. There's so few things that there's not um, enough like ad revenue or subscription revenue that could support the kind of operations necessary to do the testing at that scale. So You know, we do our individual testing on specific devices, but we no longer have the same kind of um, massive Mac world or anybody has the, uh, I I don't think there's any publication in America that has anything like it. I think Germany, there are still some testing labs in Germany at various publications uh, because Germans are apparently more willing to pay uh, for subscriptions and things, but (laughs) for print publications. So that helps. Uh, No offense. Just the, the the way things change. Let's see. So we've got a couple other things we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the watch, there's a uh, information out that there might be a watch refresh coming in the third quarter, which is not unexpected. But, Susie, you've got some uh, concerns about what that might be based on what we've heard so far.
1: Well, there were rumors before that um, the watch maybe would have um, they would have a, a thinner screen or some more sensors, or they would move some of the sensors off the watch onto the band to make the watch itself a lot thinner. And... Just some kind of, you know, design shakeup, um, especially when you consider, you know, the TikTok nature of some of their other uh, mobile products. Um, but the new rumor is that they might just focus on battery life and it's going to be manufactured by the, the same designer and they would just focus on battery life. And then that, that could be kind of a double-edged sword. Um, if they're going to change the design, they have to be really careful to make sure it's compatible with the old bands. Um, I think because uh, they said you know almost every Apple Watch owner has more than one band. and It would really stink if those were all obsoleted so quickly. Um, I mean, people just wouldn't want to upgrade. But if they can really do a lot to the battery life, and I think it would have to go to a lot. Um, on the the Series Two, you can you can eke out a second day if um, under some conditions, but it would have to go to you know you'd have to get. Uh, solid I think two or three days and like maybe with software they could push it I feel like five to seven days has to be kind of like the holy grail they're shooting for because that's how much you can expect to get from a Fitbit watch Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: um, now the trend in activity trackers is ones that that it just looks like a watch and it runs on a watch battery but it also counts your steps and sends that to a smartphone and maybe has a little extra dial on it but the The design is very low key. and maybe it'll buzz you for notifications, but it doesn't have like a screen um, a lot. And then those will go for for six months or whatever because they're running on a on a watch battery, so they can go a lot longer. But with the ones you recharge that have a screen and do stuff and you interact with, um, yeah, I, they have to be shooting for like a week. Um, but if, I mean, if that's all that they're doing is just pushing the battery life, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard sell, I think for people that already have them, but you know, this market is still growing. So maybe that'll be, I don't know. I can't imagine people being like, I wasn't ready to jump in yet, but now that I only have to charge it every three days, (laughs) like, yeah, sell me one. But I don't know, maybe it's just like, as the market grows, if they can grow battery life, but otherwise keep it kind of the same, I guess they just really like the design. I don't know.
0: Well, it seems like there's some big innovation that needs to come that's mostly, as we talked about, like adding a cellular radio. Mm -hmm. And that's not coming this year, certainly. Um, Ostensibly, it'll come in 2018 based on uh, what we've heard. We think about the life cycle of it. But, yeah, I mean, they have to refresh it because they have to refresh it because they want to keep selling new units. But I I wonder if it's just trying to find – there's so many – billions of people who don't own an Apple watch that it may make sense for them to push it forward incrementally. Uh, and some people will leap from the having bought the first watch to this and they'll give the first watch to someone else. So, I mean, the, this is that kind of the hobbyist thing. Like the watch is, it still feels like a pilot fish. It's something they're testing to understand the market, but it's not the final form of what, will, you know, what it'll be. Although it's getting closer maybe, I don't know.
1: I don't know about the cellular radio because no one's gonna wanna pay f- pay for another data plan.
0: Well, I guess it'd just be like in.
1: backup for when when your phone isn't there. But I mean, it's not like you're gonna leave your phone at home all day and just go with your watch. We've had this
0: discussion before, haven't we? I know. I think some people will. <laughs> I think some people will go watch and laptop or watch only and some people will uh it depend I mean it's really going to depend on whether there's a new market for it the cellular thing will add cost but you know there's a lot of plans now where it's like 10 bucks a month extra to add you know a laptop or a I'm uh, uh, not a laptop but a uh, a tablet or a something tablet. yeah a tablet yeah or some you know once you get a certain point it's like it's 10 bucks a month for additional devices or something so it's not uh, that crazy. Or they might even, it's possible the watch can even get thrown in if you already have a phone. Maybe they will only count the data usage because they want to keep you as a customer. I don't yeah. know. There's lots of things. But I don't think it's a phone replacement. I don't think
1: it's a... I think the, if they put one in the watch before they put cellular in the MacBook, I'll be
0: sad. They'll never put, they're will <laughs> never. they never going to put cellular in the MacBook.
1: Why not? That's what I want.
0: It's uh, because the tethering is good enough. It's a, it's a good enough thing. Like, there's no advantage to putting... Uh, the That's radio what I think about the watch. <laughs> the watch exactly. is good enough. That, you just, you especially just like the one with argument.
1: GPS now. Like, yeah, I don't know.
0: I don't. I think it's just tethering the having the watch only have certain functions when it's near a phone. I think makes it into something different, even though it's got a Wi-Fi. So. Yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I've been thinking if it
1: got it like just for for to push notifications, or if it had it on like a super limited basis, and it wasn't like apps were trying to like run on over cellular. They don't need.
0: They could stick in um, not GPRS because that's probably GPRS is very low power and very cheap data, but it's like fifty six k. And there's a lot of there's like a billion GPRS devices like uh, Coke machines and crap like that around the world. It's um, uh, old two G technology that that may get retired, but like even 3G is very inexpensive now. And that's can be, you know, hundreds of kilobits to a megabits per se, a few megabits per second. So conceivably um, they could put in a low speed data option that would just let you do, cause you're not going to do that much. You're not going to watch a movie on your watch. Right. So exactly. It's very small. It's more like updates, push updates, yeah. as opposed to live interaction. Um, as long as you can get, you know, the GPS lets you get uh, mapping information or mapping location um, uh, yeah, I you guess push map good. data to it. I don't know. We're going to see. This is the fun part about a new kind of thing is uh, where it's going to fit in the market. Um, We had one more thing to talk about. We're doing a little. F- they could f- make it like the travel one. Like the Series 2 was
1: the fitness push. Like oh, they could, if they put cellular yeah. in it, they could make that one like the, they could
0: really push it as a travel thing. Because
1: well, it a, does, it, it is kind of handy when I, you're traveling.
0: I'm just thinking AirPods and a watch and Siri, if Siri worked. Is is all your phone calls and use a laptop for email, you know, and other stuff. Use lap if you need a keyboard, you have the laptop. If you don't need a keyboard, then you're using Siri and a watch and AirPods. But I don't know. That's it starts to get complicated. I need to carry my AirPods and a charger and a watch and an induction charger and a blue. you know, it's a lot of stuff. Um, we have one more story I wanna talk about, which was um uh, Chuck von Rosbach, uh, who's a, I uh, used to work at Apple. He was the uh, list mom at Apple for a long time when they had those massive email oh. lists. Um, he did that job for many years. And um, it's a good person to talk to about uh, how you manage communities because he understands what it's like to work with vociferous uh, groups of people at, uh, at uh, you know, in that world. But he wrote this terrific thing we have in the show notes it's at his site, which is Chucky, C H U Q ui.com apple's 2016 year in review and uh, you know chuck comes at this with he's got a big big old uh scope of time that he's uh um, knows both being inside apple and then for number several years outside of apple and um you know he's not a, he's not a partisan he's not out there so you know not fanboying or whatever and he's one of those folks i think that like us where we're we try to try to suppress the apple is doomed talk because it's pointless, it doesn't make any sense. It's like clickbait headline-y because Apple isn't doomed. It has hundreds of billions of dollars in cash. It's mer- massively profitable. It has loyal users. So you try to get out of that narrative and say, okay, what's really going on? What's the problem here? And we've spent 2016 talking about a lot of the things. You know, Apple promises and doesn't deliver, problems with products, things don't ship on time. And so uh, Chuck wrote a really good rundown about the things that really, to him, Felt like 2016, the tone had shifted about what Apple was doing. So, you know, people have criticized Apple since the moment Steve Jobs, you know, (laughs) posted the first uh, logo or something, right? Uh, It's complaining about Apple. It's just... uh, the, the thing that people do about it, um, yeah. whether it's media or individuals, whatever. But so that's not new. But he is saying the criticisms. He thinks there's actually a lot of truth to the criticisms. So missing ship dates, the whole uh, long refresh delays between products, especially uh, in the Mac line. And he has this really neat thing where he says, you know, why why do you make products? Mm-hmm. You know, why what's the point of them? And it's a good analysis of of what drives companies to do things. And then he talks about this. He looks at some of the other product lines and kind of what he thinks Apple's problem is, what they're, um, what they're doing in terms of listening to users, understanding what users need, and then messaging. So, for instance, the touch bar is pretty cool in a lot of ways, really interesting. I'm hearing, you know, as it got in people's hands, it sounded more ridiculous and pointless to me until it got in people's hands, and then it starts to sound very useful and interesting. But the way they messaged the new product, it was like, "This is the main, main thing." It's like, but why would? But the touch bar is just like a feature. It's a user interface thing. It's not the flagship feature, surely. And that's kind of what it was. At some level, Thunderbolt three should have been the flagship feature, and it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't as much.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if input, if an input, you know, port is your is your flagship feature, you're kind of in trouble.
0: Yeah, that's what it feels. That's what it feels like. I mean, it's and also the whole thing about I think. You know, not understanding that people will be so aggravated at the cost. The, 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 there's two things. One was needing adapters and dongles and cables. And that's just going to be a given. And, you know, and so Apple pulled the, you know, ripped the band-aid off and said, all Thunderbolt 3. But not understanding that people would get aggravated when they started looking at the price tag of it. You know, it's really good that they quickly responded by cutting the price. But had they cut the price at launch? They cut Imagine the price for the adapters. For the adapters, not so, I'm sorry, for the, yeah, the adapters and monitors and rest. Right. So if they had, let's say Computers when they launched, it, they said, "We know, you know, we know these cables can be. We know, you know, we know we've heard complaints from people about converting their systems and so forth. So for the next six months, or the next three months, or whatever they say, we have dramatically dropped the price of uh, Thunderbolt two to three adapters. You know, they're normally going to be twenty dollars or nine bucks or whatever." put that out as part of the messaging. We understand there's a conversion cost and we're going to help you with it. We don't want to ship with adapters because not everybody needs them. Mm-hmm. But we understand this is an issue and you know that's why we put a lightning to analog plug in the iPhone 7 and 7 plus. We understood that. So we put one in, but you know we knew a lot of people would need that. In this case, we don't know what you need, so we're going to make the cost so low that, you know, you can just get whatever you need and eventually the cost will go up, but we'll also have a robust third party ecosystem and whatever, but they didn't message it that way. And I think it made people really aggravated. And you saw those posts immediately. I'm going to spend $250 to get what I need to plug in the stuff I have. And then, you know, a week later, it was like, well, it's only $120 now or something. I don't know. It's just frustrating. So I think reading uh, read Chuck's piece, cause it's uh it's good. It's, it's a sensible piece. You won't read it and start Screaming at the computer that someone's being ridiculous. It's not, it's not a McAlope worthy piece. It's a very non-Makalope worthy piece.
1: It's the first it's really, really good. Everyone should read it. It's the first thing that kind of brings up like what Steve Jobs would have done in a way that like makes sense and is appropriate and not obnoxious. Like <laughs> he talks about um, you know, how how they use a lot of data and they're a very data driven company and how they make their decisions. And that's really good when you're making stuff for like the mainstream user. But Jobs could like understood everything the user needed, that, and and how to like round out the whole package, and you know, and so he's he's saying like things like the the airport, um, uh, the airport line still being sold even though it's pretty out of date, and and, and things like that, um, and yeah, uh, the leaving pro users with the notion that they're just being abandoned and and those kinds of things like maybe wouldn't have happened and that was the first time that yeah, I ever read a you know Steve Jobs would have done a differently thing where I was like yeah that's that's a really good point so the whole thing is full of really good points it's long but it's a, it's a worthy read we'll link it up I think up the in other the thing notes.
0: that goes along the same lines is that I don't think Jobs included features they didn't know what they were for yeah. the <laughs> exception being the Apple TV he knew the future was TV somewhere but he knew he couldn't get the deals they couldn't mm-hmm. get him to make it what he wanted. So he pushed it out there because he knew there was a place for a TV you know, adapter and he didn't want to miss the market, right? And they kept it running for a long time. And even though you and I have carps about the fourth generation Apple TV, I use it cont- constantly. It's practically the only thing I use with my TV, the exception is I have to use Amazon uh, Video via my television interface, not via the Apple TV. Right. So even as I'm like, ah, the Apple TV is blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what am I doing all the time? I'm using HBO Now. I'm using Cooler. Oh, yeah, I I'm use using, it constantly. I mean, And the new TV app is great. Siri is much better. Now the TV app exists. The TV app makes the whole experience better. So even though there are, I don't like, I don't like a lot of things about the new Apple TV, I still use it all the time. <laughs> so... It eventually matured into something that became, and, you know, and that's going to go further. But the thing, like, he Chuck brings up, three D touch, force touch, and then also the touch bar. like three D touch and force touch got introduced before there was a reason for it, right? Like, mm-hmm. it makes sense to have a haptic feedback uh, uh, touch bar, uh, pad, right? Like, I like that on the MacBook. In fact, my MacBook cr- uh, crashed recently; was really weird, just completely crashed, and. The touchpad stopped working. I was like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, haptic. Like, it's crashed so far. The OS can't even drive. There's, like, the low-level thing that drives the haptic engine is dead. Yeah. And, you know, I rebooted it, and it came back. But, like, I get why you'd want to replace a big part that, a you know, piece of glass that has a mechanical switch with haptic engines, assuming the haptic stuff Works better. That was kind of cool. And then with when you do that, then you get the two kinds of, of touch, right? You've got regular and you know, the force touch, right? And even though that's not being used, I understand why you do that. But there's no story for three D touch. Three D touch was boring when it was introduced with iOS ten. It's better. I use it a lot more for very specific things like to do lists and uh, to pop images in some programs. You you uh, pull down and it fills the screen or shows you a bigger version. But um, the touch bar also like examples of usage are not the same as understanding what a feature is for. Yeah. And I think that's a big difference. I don't think Jobs shipped stuff that he didn't know the story he was going to tell about why it was actually totally useful. Um, and uh, and that's definitely – so it's not that Steve Jobs wouldn't ship Force touch or 3D touch. It's that he would have had – a fully developed story because he would have pushed the team. They
1: had no story. This touch bar had no story. Like people were all about that commercial. Um, the, when the commercial came out, everyone was writing news posts about a commercial. Um, but then they were all praising it. It was like the, the light bulbs bursting down the street. And then it kept showing other like, you know, light bulb moments in history and comparing it to like the invention of the wheel and, and different things like that. And it was just like, but then at the end they were just like, it's so so it's really cool because you like told me it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was basically sh- it. There was no story
1: that- about like how, what you were gonna do with it, how it was gonna change. It was like those Microsoft commercials where everyone's just dancing with their surfaces, and you're like, "But I, you know, tell me why I need it."
0: <laughs> yeah, I think this is. I think it's funny how much we think. You know, Apple is about stories. You know, this is uh, coming off watching the season of Westworld with no spoilers. Westworld is all about the stories we tell ourselves, and Apple, you know, at some level. The uh, the impresario behind Westworld, played by Anthony Hopkins, is is a Steve Jobs. He has a story he tells, and it's the power of his narrative that drives the experience more than you know. It's not just uh, cowboy shoot 'em up stuff. It's that there's uh, rich stories behind uh, behind that bring people back.
1: Cool. I still haven't watched it. I'm gonna check it out.
0: Westworld is really really bloody, but also um, – I'll end with my recommendation. It's a bloody show. It's got um, some explicit stuff and this a lot of shooting and blood. But the thing that's interesting is long, interesting sort of – not pauses, but like you get a lot of time to reflect. So some people thought it moved slowly, and I thought, no, it's because if it had been as bloody and – violent as it is in parts to the whole thing and been like three hours long, you know, a short miniseries or a long movie, you would not have been able to take it. But <laughs> instead, over ten parts, it breaks it up into something that you can absorb the philosophy and sort of see the contrast of the violence, the the tar- the heavy, the hard moments with the easier ones. Uh, and this has been the film review for... Uh, um, so folks, <laughs> folks, you can always find us at Macworld.com. You can leave feedback at Facebook.com slash macworld and you can email us podcast at macworld.com susie i hope you have a great week doing being the home team for ces
1: yeah go ces it's a fun it's a fun week fun way to kick off the
0: year routers next week i bet a lot of ces will have to be wi-fi stuff and hubs and smart homes so whatever's relevant to mac people we'll see what that is and chat about that next week and uh great to talk to you as always
1: yeah you too Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year, too. Happy New Year, listeners. It'll all be better this year, I swear. I promise. I promise. Footnote, uh, this uh, promise has no uh, warranty uh, <laughs> when used in 2017.
1: Not really a promise.
0: Not, yes. <laughs> well, warranty is invalid in the United States. Uh, so we'll talk to you again soon. I've been Glenn Fleischman, and this has been the Macworld Podcast, episode 540 for January 4th, 2017. We'll talk to you next week.